will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hasn't he been good to us? Been so good. Man, I tell you, I mean, some of y'all don't know, but I had a incurable disease in my body the first 22 years of my life. And when I got in a little church like this one under a good pastor like Pastor Chip, I found out Jesus bore that thing for me on the cross. And I received that and got healed and been healed ever since. So I'm thankful he's my healer. And then he learned, taught me years ago how to live free where I actually control my feelings. I don't ask Larry Hutton how I feel. I tell him how I feel. And I found out I don't have to let other people's actions control my feelings. I don't have to let what's going on in the world control my feelings. I get to choose how I feel. I get out of bed every day and say, this is a day the Lord hath made. I choose to rejoice and be glad. So you're looking at somebody, I haven't had a down day in decades. I don't have stress-filled days. I don't have get-my-feeling-hurt-filled days. I don't have strife-filled days. I don't have bad temper, anger-filled days. I don't have uh, guilt-ridden days or shame-filled days. I don't have days filled with, with uh, worry and stress. I just don't have them anymore. I found out Jesus on the cross bore everything that was part of the kingdom of darkness. I don't have to yield to it. Amen. Most Christians yield to it because they don't know they can't. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you, this is good news. All my life, he's been faithful. Yeah. And then he set me free financially and called me back in 1989, called me to start traveling the world and teach financial freedom seminars all over the world. So I've done that many places. And I just watch God's hand and his goodness touch people that are willing to believe him. That the word and that Jesus is not, it's not just religious stuff. The word isn't just ink and pages bound by leather. The word is alive. Yeah. It's living. His name is Jesus. And so when you read ink and pages and Bible and electronic Bibles and stuff, you're just getting a glimpse of the real Jesus because it's alive. Every time you read a word and put your faith in that word, it comes alive to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just, I, I'm looking forward to my 70th birthday. That's not too far away from me, I'm telling you. Uh, every 10 years I go out, I used to be a barefoot water skier, so every 10 years on my 50, 60, and now in a couple years of my 70th, I'm, I barefoot water ski every year. Why not? Might as well show the youngins I can still do it, you know. I'm strong and healthy like I've always been, and I'm going to be that. If Jesus, tarry, I don't think he's the way things are wrapping up in the world right now. I don't think Jesus is going to tarry a whole lot longer. But if he does, I'm not letting Moses outdo me. So at 120, I'll still be barefoot water skiing. I'll still be playing golf and tennis like I do now. Amen. I'll still be traveling the world and preaching. I got a lot to do. I can't believe these preachers that want to retire. Somebody asked me not too long ago, they said, Brother Larry, when are you going to retire? I said, from what? I don't, I don't have a job. <laughs> I have a calling. And I'm not retiring ever from that calling. I told some preachers recently, I said, you better not retire. I said, you got more wisdom now than you've ever gotten in your life. Now's the time to ramp it up. Start helping the young preachers that think they know it all. Yeah, we used to be there, done that, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, word of truth, it's good to be back with my family. Praise God, I... I took you and his family, and you took me and his family last July when I was here, and Pastor Chip and Chris uh, so graciously had me come back again, so that always means a lot, you know, the 
when, when people believe in you and have you back. So thank you guys. A couple of you told me you've been watching my TV program either on YouTube. I don't know if you're watching it on Gospel Truth. I'm uh, Monday through Friday da daily on gospeltruth.tv and then Monday through Friday uh, daily on Global Kingdom Network out of Detroit. And uh, just watching people, you know, they keep giving us testimonies, sending in testimonies from places around the world, some places I can't even pronounce the name of the nation. I said, that's a nation? I thought maybe that was some town somewhere, you know, or something. But anyway, it's, it's just been fun to watch God reach people and change lives, and good to be back with you guys. Liz sends her love. She looks forward to meeting you one of these days, and she, I, I was kidding her the other day, because just two years ago, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for 40 years. So 1980, I started preaching in 1980, and 81 we moved, moved to Tulsa. And um, anyway, we lived there for 40 years. So two years ago, we moved close to our grandbaby. Uh-oh. <laughs> Watch out. My wife used to travel with me about 75% of the time. Now it's about 20% of the time. So I was teasing on that. I said, yeah, you just like staying home with the grandbaby, don't you? Getting to, getting to spend time with her or something. All right, well, good news. Praise God, we're just uh, watching God. We still are believing for 200,000 souls. I know a couple of you weren't here last time I was here, but um, I, uh, I started advertising. We did. Our ministry started advertising on Google about seven years ago now um, for souls so that if people were searching Google on how to get saved and if they click on our link and then read our salvation prayer, they get saved, they can let us know. Well, we were believing for 200,000. We passed the 160,000 mark just when, when I was here in July last year, and so we're way over that now, and we're still believing for 200,000. So I think that, to me, I told our partners recently, I said, partners, every soul that we're getting saved on Google is get a reward being laid up for you in heaven. I said, how can, how can you get more rewards than souls? He that winneth souls is wise. And so I don't know if, I didn't even check to see if any of you guys were partners, but if you are, every soul that uh, we're getting saved on Google and every soul we're touching on the millions, we have potential billions that can watch our TV program. At this point, we're not sure how many are watching, but um, every, every life that's being touched, your, your partnership is helping lay up rewards in heaven. You know, I think that's more important than the rewards we get here, don't you think, Pastor? I mean, the rewards we get here are just going to last. So, so what if you live 120 years? Compared to eternity, when you live in the new heavens and the new earth, you're going to want to enjoy some rewards because you're going to have eternity to enjoy them, right? So you want to make sure that you're planning in good churches like this one and find good partners, our good ministries like Randall Greer and our ministry, other ministries that are producing fruit where you're going to get lots of rewards and it's going to pay big and rich dividends. How many of you have your Bibles? Amen. Let's open them to Genesis chapter 18, Genesis the 18th chapter. And remember, as we read now, you're, you're not reading ink and pages and just words. You're reading living bread, manna from heaven, hallelujah. The Lord said in Genesis 18, 17, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations or all peoples of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. That phrase is what I want you to underline, the way of the Lord. Underline it, highlight it. Uh, 
I did that both in my leather Bible and my electronic Bible. They'll keep the way of the Lord. Everybody say way of the Lord. It says, they'll keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So God said, I know Abraham, he and his household is going to keep the way of the Lord. The, the word way here is actually the Hebrew word derek, and derek is a course of life or a mode of action. It's, it's really used in the plural, although it seems like it's singular here, the way of the Lord, but God set, uses the word derek here. Remember when we read this, we read it from the King James. When this was written, the Old Testament translated out of Hebrew, New Testament out of Greek, that's what they were hearing. They were hearing the definitions of the word that we don't get to hear. We get to hear just like one definition. When you look at the way of the Lord and see it's a course of life, then it's talking about all the ways that are involved in your life. In fact, I can give you a couple of scriptures where this same word Derek is used, and just to show you that it's used in the plurality, not in the singular. For example, Isaiah 55, 8. How many of you remember where God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my what? Ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. That word ways there in Isaiah 55 is the same one we're looking at right here, Derek. So you see then my ways all his different ways that apply to your life uh, are not uh, your, your ways when you don't walk according to the Lord. And then another place where that word Derek is used is Proverbs 3, 6. We, we know Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart? All your heart. And, and uh, don't lean to your own little pea, pea brain. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't make that my paraphrase, should I, Pastor? Um, don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lean to your own intellect. And then in all your ways, verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. In all your what? In all your ways. In all your ways, showing that, you, that he's referring to more than just one way. He must be talking about all the ways of your life, maybe your financial ways, your ways of your marriage, your physical body ways, your uh, mental and emotional ways, all the different areas of your life. Uh, we're not supposed to lean to our own understanding. We're supposed to acknowledge him. So that's what God is talking about when he says he kept the ways of the Lord. So God has all these different ways for you. And we're going to zero in on one particular area that few have, have uh, ministered on through the years. And that's the way of your emotions, the way of your feelings. And uh, I see this affect so many people's marriages. I see it affect their finances. And I really see big time effect on the physical health of people because they let their emotions run wild, whether it's depression or discouragement or stress or worry or panic attacks or phobias or uh, guilt or shame or bad temper, anger problems, all those different negative emotions that are part of the kingdom of darkness, Christians have just let run wild in their, in their lives thinking that they don't have a say-so over it. I had a minister in my office one time and he was having problems with anger and problems with depression and he came to see me because he knew that I had a book on that subject and that 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 was one of my calls. And so he called me up, said, can I come meet with you? I said, sure. He came to my office. And when I told him, after we talked to him, I started taking him to some scriptures that we're going to look at this morning and this afternoon. 
I, I looked at him and I said, and I called him by name and I said, you don't have to let your feelings tell you how you feel. And when I said that to him, it was like I had taken, you'd, you'd have thought I'd taken a wet dish rag and smacked him and he just, you know, looked at me startled. And he even said this to me, he said, say that again. I said, you don't have to let your feelings tell you how you feel. And he said, Brother Larry, I've never heard that in my life. And he'd gone to the same Bible school that I'd gone, graduated from the same Bible school I went to. But I never heard it in Bible school. I never read it in a book. I hadn't, at that point, I had, when the Lord taught me all this and I started walking free from my feelings controlling me, I had not read after Smith Wigglesworth. Later on I did and I found out he said this. He said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how I feel. I tell him how I feel. And then I thought, he knew this before I did. <laughs> But then he lived before I did. The same Holy Spirit, same Spirit of God. But this was one of the big, biggest things that ever changed my life is when the Lord personally taught me that I don't have to let my feelings tell me how I feel. I get to choose how I feel. And that's something, choice. It's a powerful thing, choice. I mean, you, you used it when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You had to make a choice, choose life or choose death. Choose to reject Jesus and receive death, separation from God, or choose to accept Jesus and choose life. Am I right? Yeah. So I want to talk to you about God's way, one of His ways, one of His many ways, but I want to talk to you about His way of mental and emotional freedom. Actually, the Bible calls it the way of peace. And uh, before, we, before we look at those verses that actually show you it's called the way of peace, let me show you Psalm 128. So go to Psalm 128 with me, and you're going to find out that you can actually be happy all the time if you believe one verse. <laughs> I remember the late Kenneth E. Hagin. I traveled and was very close with him for 20 years. In fact, I was closer with him than I was my real dad. But uh, Kenneth Hagin said, you know, if we just believe one thing out of the Bible, we'd never have another down day the rest of our life. He said, what about this verse? And, of course, there's many verses that say the same thing. God said, I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you. Yeah, right. He said, if you actually believe God was with you, when, no matter what you're going through, how could you be down? How could you be discouraged? How could you be depressed? How could you get in fear if you really believed? Not just head knowledge that God's with you, but you really believe, hey, God's right here, nothing for me to worry about, nothing for me to get depressed about, nothing for me to get my feelings hurt about. God's with me. And Psalm 118, verse 6 says, He's on my side. Right? Praise God. All right, Psalm 128, look at it. Psalm 128, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in His what? Ways. Here's that same Greek or Hebrew word, Derek, again. Walks in his ways, for you shall eat the labor of your hands. Happy you shall be, and it shall be well with you. That very first word, if you look up that word blessed in the Hebrew, it actually also means happy. Yeah. Happy is everyone that reveres God. Wow. Happy, and that walks in his ways. You want to be happy? Walk in his ways. When he shows you how to put him first financially, don't buck it, don't fight it, go ahead and yield to it. <laughs> That's how my wife and I got set free financially years ago when I learned his system. I mean, man, we were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, our ministry property, hundreds of thousands of debt, our personal home. 
And within a short time, we paid off the ministry mortgage, paid off our home mortgage, paid off everything. We've been debt-free for years because we decided to do things God's way in the Bible. I finally learned God's smarter than I am. <laughs> you do have to humble yourself to believe that, though, because a lot of people think they're smarter than God when they don't want to do things God's way with their money or with their marriage or with their emotions and feelings, whatever it is. We can always make excuses, but that's just leaning to our own understanding. That's being wise in our own eyes, and that's not departing from evil. It won't go well with you if you do that. So we're going we're gonna to let God's Word, this says uh, to walk in His ways, we're going to let God's Word instruct us to teach us in the way of, that's called the way of peace. So jump over to Isaiah 59 with me. Isaiah chapter 59, I'm going to take you here, and then I'm going to take you over to Romans 3, and then Luke chapter 1. I'm going to show you several different verses that talk about the way of peace. And the way of peace, it includes, when you look up that word peace, it includes your finances and other areas, but a major part of that peace is you being mentally free, emotionally free, where your feelings don't control you and where you don't blame other people for the way you feel. We're, we're so good at that. Well, he made me so mad, or she made me this, or that. No, we don't have to allow our feelings to control us at all. We get to choose how we feel and not let people's actions choose that. That's really good news. I'm telling you, I've been living this way so free for so many years, I can't even imagine having a down day. <laughs> I can't even contemplate now. It's like it's the furthest thing from my mind that, oh, I'm going to get all stressed today, or I'm going to get worried about something today, or I'm going to get really angry today when somebody says something mean to me. It's just not part of my makeup anymore. It's just Jesus set me free from my emotions controlling me. When he set me free, you know, one of the major things when I found out that bad temper and anger and stress and worry and all of that was part of the kingdom of darkness. In other words, just go back to Genesis before Satan ever came on the scene and you won't find any of those emotions. So when I found out it was all, every negative emotion was part of the kingdom of darkness and I'd been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, right? Then why should I partake of things that are part of the devil's kingdom? I mean, it just, I mean, even common sense, but more than common sense is God's sense. You've got to get your mind renewed to start thinking God's thoughts and walking in his ways. And of course, that's why both this morning and this afternoon, I haven't done this before when I'm doing a healing school in the afternoon, but the Lord told me, so I'm going to obey him. He said, I want you to teach two-part series, the morning service, and then I want you to teach part two in the afternoon healing school. Because so many people are sick, diseased, in pain, their body malfunctioning, even have body parts that aren't functioning to the percentage that they're supposed to because of negative emotions controlling their lives. So we're going to get set free today. So I invite everybody to come back at three because we're going to be doing part two. We're going to be showing you what Jesus did at the cross for you today so that you can put your faith in him, not your actions. And then this afternoon, I'm going to show you how easy it is to walk free from depression, discouragement, bad temper, so forth and so on, all those negative emotions. So here in Isaiah chapter 59, um, 
Isaiah is actually referring, or God is referring to the children of Israel when they were not seeking God. We'll pick it up in verse 7 here. They're not seeking God. It said, their feet were running to evil. They made haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts were thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction were in their pathways. And then verse 8 said, the way of peace they did not know. The way of what? The way of peace. Notice it's called the way of peace. Now I'm going to show you that Paul actually uses this verse in the New Testament. Jump over to Romans 3. Romans chapter 3 because we're going to see Paul reiterates this same statement showing that the way of peace is something for New Testament Christians just as much as it was for old. Romans chapter 3, let's look at verse 16 and 17. Verse 16, destruction and misery are in their ways, verse 17, and the way of peace have they not known? This is Romans 3, 17. The way of peace they haven't known. So here's Paul now letting us know there is a way of peace that you and I can know. The children of Israel didn't know the way of peace, but we're supposed to know the way of peace. Of course, we'll, we'll see his name as Jesus. So God has a way for you and I to live in peace all the time. Let's jump over to Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1. I'll try and be a little slower here. If my wife was here, she would, she would say, honey, your electronic Bible's quicker than my leather Bible. <laughs> Give us time to turn there. So Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, 76 is talking about John the Baptist, and it says, you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his what? Ways, plural, now skip down to verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of what? Peace. The way of peace. Everybody say the way of peace. So according to God, he has a way of peace that you and I can walk in. The way of peace will override anxiety, anger, stress, every ne negative emotion that you can mention. So in order for us to take hold of this, we have to know that Jesus did take care of this at the cross. So we're going to go back to the great redemptive chapter of Isaiah 53. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 with me. And I'll remind you of something Colossians 2.6 says. Colossians 2.6 says, As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, the way you received Jesus is the way you're supposed to go ahead and live your life out. The way you received him. Well, how did you receive him? Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you're saved through what? Through faith. So, so your faith wasn't in what you did because it says by grace you were saved. Well, how did you get saved? I believe Jesus uh, died on the cross for me. I confessed him as Lord, that he was raised from the dead, and I was saved. So my, my faith to get saved was based on what Jesus did, not what I did. So my faith then is what released grace, and so grace saved me, and it was the faith that God gave me that I used to receive that saving grace. So again, it had to do with Jesus, and that's why the same thing has to be the case. If Colossians 2.6 says the way we received him is the way we walk it out the rest of our life, then the way you receive Jesus by grace through faith is the way you have to receive your financial freedom by grace through faith. You have to receive your heavenly marriage by grace through faith. You have to receive your mental and emotional freedom by grace through faith. No matter what area you're talking about, 
It's by grace, meaning based on what Jesus did for you at Calvary, and that your faith can do that, and then you'll be saved from sin, saved financially, saved physically from sickness, saved emotionally, mentally, saved maritally, saved socially. Every area Jesus provided. When Jesus said it is finished, he didn't say it's almost finished. He doesn't have to come back and die again for your redemption. There's only one enemy, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy that's going to be put underfoot is death. So that's it. The worst thing the devil can do to a child of God is kill you and send you into the presence of Jesus a little quicker. <laughs> wow. No wonder death is swallowed up in victory, huh? Thank you, Lord. All right, so Isaiah 53. Are you there? Isaiah chapter 53. Pastor told me not to keep you past two since we've got to do a three o'clock service. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't tell me that. Surely, look at Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our what? Peace was upon him, and by his stripe or blow or bruise or wound we are healed. So I want to zero in on verse 4 because it said, Surely Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. If you look up this word grief, it means grief. <laughs> Boy, that was deep, wasn't it? <laughs> now, if you look up the Hebrew word, it also means sickness, it also means disease, it also means calamity, and it also means anxiety. So when I saw grief and I saw anxiety as part of the Hebrew definition, I realized, okay, there's a bunch of your emotions right there. You talk about grief, you talk about calamity, you talk about anxiety, it covers worry, it covers stress, it covers panic attacks, yeah. bipolar, being bipolar, all those things are covered under what Jesus bore for us. And then the next thing it says, and he carried our sorrows. So guess what? This word sorrow means sorrow. <laughs> But it also, means, it, it also means anguish and pain, physical and emotional pain. So when I saw that, I thought, okay, so this word sorrow means anguish and sorrow and pain. Then that covers depression, anger, bad temper, discouragement, hopelessness, guilt, shame, frustration, all that gamut of emotions. So when I looked at the two Hebrew words used here, Jesus bore my griefs and he bore my sorrows. I realize that every negative emotion that you and I have to deal with, and we're going to have to deal with them until you get your glorified body, get snatched out of here, you're going to have to deal with it just like you're going to have to deal with all the junk in the world and all the sickness and the afflictions and everything that come against us. But here's the, here's the good news. Just because they're here and just because they come against us, you don't have to yield to them. You don't have to yield to sin because you accepted Jesus and bore his righteousness. You don't have to yield to sicknesses because you submitted to Jesus and bore his health. You don't have to submit to poor negative emotions and feelings because Jesus bore them. We're fine right here. He bore your grief. He bore your sorrows. He bore your depression. He bore your stress. He bore your worries. He bore your bad temper. He bore all of that. So if Jesus bore it, and I know your pastor's taught you this, and you've probably heard this before, but the word bear is a substitutionary term. It means he did it in your place so that you don't have to. Just like anybody ever have a substitute teacher in school? 
I remember the substitute, when they were there, they were substituting for. They were taking the place of so that the regular teacher didn't have to be there. That's what Jesus did for you and me. He bore our griefs and bore our sorrows. I thought, man, this is one of the things. When, when the Lord taught me this, like I said, I was taught by no man this revelation. When the Lord taught me this, it was like freedom, freedom, freedom. All of a sudden, I just found out something that Jesus did on the cross. Just like when I found out he bore my sins and I accepted that truth and bore his righteousness. Did you realize I became right before I ever did one right thing? As, as soon as I accepted Jesus as Lord, I got his righteousness. So I was righteous before God before I ever did one right thing. So it had nothing to do with what I did. When I saw Jesus bore my depression and bore my grief and sorrow and all those negative emotions, I accepted that before I had ever experienced a good, peaceful day the rest of my life. And then I just continued to walk it out. Did I have to resist discouragement? Did I have to resist stress? Did I, yes, I did, just like if sin tries to tempt me now, I have to resist it. I could yield to it even though I'm righteous, but I don't have to. I can yield to depression. I can yield to discouragement. I can yield to stress and worry and fears and all that, but I don't have to. Why? Because Jesus took my place. Is this good news or what? Man, it's just, I mean, remember when you put your faith, that's how you got saved. So the way you received him is the way you walk this out. So when it comes to this, okay, when you put your faith in, okay, Jesus, you bore my bad temper, you bore my anger, or you bore my stress or worry, you bore my depression, then I'm not going to ever be that way again. Yeah. What are you doing? You're actually putting your faith in what Jesus did, and guess what will happen? By grace, your emotions will be saved through faith. Just like by grace, your spirit man got saved through faith. And that's what I did. It was just simple childlike faith years ago when I just started doing one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. I just kept walking in peace, walking in joy, refusing stress, refusing worry, refusing to get my feelings hurt because they treated me so badly. I just refused it. No, I don't let what you do affect how I feel. I choose how I feel. So you're not going to rob me of my peace. Somebody came to me one time and said, Brother Larry, pray for me. I lost my peace. I said, no, you didn't. He said, yeah, yeah, no, I lost my peace. I, I, I really lost my peace. I said, did you lose Jesus? Because Ephesians 2.14 says Jesus is your peace. If he's your peace, did you lose Jesus? Well, no, I didn't lose Jesus. Well, then you didn't lose your peace. The problem is it's not that you lost your peace. You just didn't use your peace. He's the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, next month. You always got Jesus with you, and he's your peace, so you can live in peace 24-7, 365 for the rest of your life if it's based on what Jesus did at the cross. And then, of course, through his resurrection. Wow. This was such awesome news to me because, I mean, when you can start living, I just, I live a fun, happy, fulfilled life no matter what's going on on the earth. I don't care if all hell breaks loose all around me. I just let all heaven break loose in me. <laughs> Amen. And that's what I do when people come up, because I've a lot of times had people come up, so brother, pray for me. All hell broke loose. I said, well, have you let all heaven break loose? Right, what? They look at you, what? Well, man, you got heaven on the inside of you. Heaven's hard, much more powerful than hell. Let heaven break loose. 
<laughs> light is much more powerful than darkness. Let light break loose. Come on. <laughs> God's fruit, which we're going to look at here in just a minute, Galatians 5, in fact, well, let me show you one more thing before we leave here, and then we will go over there. But God's fruit of peace and God's fruit of joy are much more powerful than the devil's fruit of mad, sad, had. God, God doesn't want you, your emotions being like that. He wants you full of peace and joy. He wants you happy. So I live a happy, fulfilled life. I've been writing my monthly partner letter for two years now, I've been doing a, just an extra teaching just to build up my partners when I send out my partner. I spend hours, hours and hours writing each partner letter every month to my partners because I want to put something in them extra. And so I've been writing about how to, how to live a fun, happy, fulfilled life, the kind of life that Adam and he, Eve had before sin. And I actually prove it scripturally that you can do that. You can. You can live a, a, a Garden of Eden type lifestyle right now with all the kingdom of darkness and all hell breaking loose all throughout the world. You can live right like you're in the middle of the Garden of Eden. You can live that way. I know it. I'm doing it. I know a lot of other people that are doing it too. Praise God. I don't know about you. I like hearing good news. This is good news. That's all I can give you is good news. I don't have any bad news for you. You get enough of that if you watch any news or anything, but you, you need some good news. So let's jump over to Galatians chapter 5. Oh, no, before I told you, I said I was going to show you one more thing here, didn't I? Let me show you verse 5. Remember I read that in verse 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yeah. The chastisement of our peace. I noticed a, there was a bunch of definitions of that Hebrew word chastisement. Two of them really stuck out to me that fit the context and, and then other scriptures rightly dividing the truth. Rebuke and restraint. Two definitions of the Hebrew word. The restraint of my peace was upon him, and the rebuke of my peace was upon him. So I thought, okay, if something's trying to restrain me of living in peace, then that would be uh, a situation, a circumstance, right? So Jesus is it's saying here that he faced the circumstances that I'm going to face. He faced the, the cause or he faced the reason for me to be stressed or depressed or discouraged or mad. He faced the reason and defeated that on the cross too. The restraint or the rebuke of my peace. You know, if somebody feels rebuked, then all of a sudden you feel like it's scared out or peace has been scared away or something. So again, it's talking about whatever reason or cause that I'm facing that would make me feel like my peace has been rebuked Jesus faced that and defeated it for me. When I saw this, I thought, man, we got, we got both ends covered here. We got the beginning and the end here covered. The beginning at the cross, Jesus bore all of my negative emotions, my stress, my depression, my discouragement, my, my bad temper, everything. He bore all of that. But then he faced every reason or cause for me to feel stressed or feel depressed or feel any of those negative emotions, he defeated the reason or cause so I don't have to. Right. Right. Pastor, sometimes we say see law, don't we? We want to just say see law and let them think about that a minute. See law. <laughs> I mean, if you can get a hold of this, wait a minute. Okay, you're telling me, or, or the Bible's telling me, not you, Larry, but the Bible's telling me that Jesus faced, let's just take something, one thing. Jesus faced depression, because that's huge in society today, huge. 
You, Jesus faced depression, and he bore it for me. But then he not only bore my depression, so I don't have to have it, but then he faced every reason or cause for me to feel depressed, and he defeated that reason and cause. Whoa! So now I, there's no reason. I can't say, he made me, or he made me. No, because that's a cause. That's a reason for you to feel that way. I know people don't like this because they think, oh, no, I can't blame him anymore, or she, I can't blame her anymore. So, no, no, we can't blame anybody anymore except ourselves. If I yield to depression or if I yield to stress, it's because I'm not yielding to what Jesus did. In other words, I'm letting my emotions control me. You need to understand this, folks, and hopefully you do, but I'm going to remind you, the brain, the, the thought realm, the emotions are the mental or the devil's battleground. The devil wants to bring those thoughts that, well, this is how you're going to feel today. You, you got up on the wrong side of the bed. Boy, Jesus blew that right. When Jesus, right at the beginning when Jesus was teaching me all this, like I said, no man ever taught me this. When, when Jesus was teaching me this, I had gotten out of bed what I thought was the wrong side of the bed. Have you ever been on that side? <laughs> we all have, haven't we? I got out of bed, and when he taught me, when he was teaching me this, he said, there is, this is what he told me personally. He said, Larry, there is no wrong side of the bed. And I was wanting to argue with him because <laughs> I've been up on the wrong side many times. What do you mean there's no wrong side of the bed? Let me show you what it's like. I've been up on it. I know there's a wrong side. I was ready to argue with him, but you know what? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't because he's always going to win every argument. Has he ever been wrong? From eternity past to eternity, will he ever be wrong? No, there is no wrong about him. And so I knew that if I argued with him, I'd lose. But you know, I'm thinking it, and guess what? He knows our thoughts, so, so I'm had already. Uh, but he said, there's no wrong side of the bed, and so I'm thinking there is a wrong side. And then he said this to me. He said, Larry, there is no wrong side of the bed. I live on both sides. Yeah. Well, there you go. He just won. <laughs> He said, the problem, and this is what he said to me, he said, the problem, Larry, is when you got out of bed, you made the wrong choice. You could have chosen what I said. Psalm 118, verse 24, this is a day that God made. Well, if it's a day he made, what are we supposed to do? Rejoice and be sad? Rejoice and be mad? Rejoice and be had? No, rejoice and be glad. Well, so when you get up, out of bed the next day. Is it still a day the Lord hath made? What about the next day? And what about the next day? And what about the next day? And what about next week? And what about no matter what day you get out of bed, is it a day the Lord hath made? And did he tell us what to do for that day? If you do it, a doer of the word, you'll never have another down day the rest of your life. That was part of the revelation that kept coming to me. And then he took me over here to Galatians. Now you can go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Is anybody getting anything? Is this awesome or what? It's like so good news when you, when you realize, wow, I can be happy all the rest of the days of my life regardless of what's going on. In fact, I, I, I strongly challenge you to go through the 23rd Psalm and try and prove that there's a negative thing in it. 
Now, unfortunately, we've had way too many religious preachers try and preach the 23rd Psalm as, you know, we're going to have to go through the valleys and we're going to have our down days and you're going to have your struggles and you're just going to have to wait till the sweet by and by. Just understand there's pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. Well, I want some steak on the plate while I wait. <laughs> Not just wait for the pie in the sky. <laughs> Everything put off till after I go. Now listen, I finally read the 23rd Psalm the way it was said. It starts out, if you just take it in context, the Lord is the one that's going to take care of me just like a shepherd takes care of his flock. The Lord's going to take care of me. I'm not going to want for anything in any area of my life. He's going to lead me out into green pastures. There's prosperity. He's going to lead me beside still water. I mean, just over and over and over, he's with me. He never leaves me. His rod and staff cover me. He even sets up a table before me while I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death is just the kingdom of darkness on the earth while we're here. And all, all it can do is cast a shadow on you. Show me a shadow that's ever hurt anybody. <laughs> Come on. Your shadow can't hurt me. My shadow can't hurt you. The shadow of the kingdom of darkness can't hurt you unless you yield to it. Man, I'm preaching better than your amen this morning. Glory to God. Woo, no, bless God. He, he prepares a table before me right in, the, right in the presence of my enemies so I can sit down while I'm going through the shadow of darkness, while all hell breaks loose all around me, I can sit down and have a meal, a seven-course meal with Jeff of heaven. Wow, Jesus, you prepared this meal for me. This has got to be good. Please pass the bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then while you're doing all of that, guess what's following you? Goodness and mercy. How many days of your life? Man, it sounds like you don't have to have a down day if all the days of your life, goodness and mercy are following you. All right, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, I know you all have heard this before, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against there's, there's, there's no law. This is talking about when you get born again, the Holy Spirit moves on the inside of you and he brings nine pieces of luggage, <laughs> nine pieces of baggage. And uh, the reason he brings these nine bags when he moves in is he wants you to get rid of your baggage. <laughs> yeah, replace it with his. And so, so uh, when the Lord brought me here, he asked me, <clears throat> he, said, um, <clears throat> he said, what are the second and third fruit mentioned? I said, uh, joy and peace. And the Lord asked me, he said, and what did I call these nine things? I said, Lord, you called them the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, I was looking at the... Um, uh, God's Word to the Nations Bible, it said, but the spiritual nature produces love, joy, peace. In other words, once you get your nature changed, you're now a new nature, a new, creature, new creation in Christ Jesus. Because you have a new nature, this is what is produced in you, is love, joy, peace, and so forth. So the Lord said, so, so I called these fruit. Yes, sir. He said, uh, so joy is a fruit and peace is a fruit. I said, yes, sir. Joy is a fruit and peace is a fruit. 
He said, my fruit, well, I better tell you something real quick before I tell you what he said. Are y'all ready to like shout? Are y'all ready to like, if you want to jump up and dance, I won't, I'll join you. But anyway, the Lord told me this because when I was in Florida, I was raised a Florida boy, born and raised in Tampa, Florida, lived there for 27 years. I was a beach bum and lived in, I was certified scuba diver. I taught barefoot water skiing. I did all that stuff, right, for years. And so um, living in Florida, the first job I had at 15 years of age was working in the orange groves. And the reason I picked that, my, some of my friends worked at Pizza Hut or McDonald's, but I chose the orange groves because I could make four times as much money as they did. <laughs> so I thought, hey, I think I'll just be smart here and go work. So my brother, in fact, my brother and I tease when we talk about it, we say we were world-class fruit pickers. <laughs> And man, we could, we could make money. Because one thing we learned, we learned when the fruit got ripe for picking, you could go up to the trunk of the tree. He and I would both grab the trunk of the orange tree and shake it. And 50 to 75 fruit would fall off. You didn't have to climb the ladder and pick those. You just threw them in the bag. And you get every, every orange you're picking is money, right? And so uh, we picked fruit. But the only problem with with picking fruit, whether it was oranges, tan well, you didn't pick tangerines. You had to clip tangerines grapefruit, whatever type of oranges, tangelos, navels, whatever type of orange you were picking. We only got to do that during fruit season. Everybody say fruit season. So that was the only drawback to me working in the orange groves is I could only do it during fruit what? Fruit season. And so the Lord, when the Lord brought me here, he said, my fruit of peace and my fruit of joy are not seasonal. <laughs> Glory, not seasonal. And I just exploded on the inside of me. It's like, wait a minute, because I understood seasonal fruit. I'd done that, been there, done that. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, if I've got peace and joy in me, once I get born again, it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me, now part of my spirit. If I have it in me and it's not seasonal, then I've got this in me. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Not seasonal. I've got God's joy, and I've got God's peace. Now, here's the deal. This is not my peace. It's not natural human joy. This is God's peace in you, God's joy in you, and if you learn to release that, it works phenomenal. Because it's supernatural. In other words, God's peace and God's joy is more powerful than the devil's depression and stress and worry and bad temper and everything else. Amen. Much more powerful. Let me, let me just give you a couple illustrations. Let me give you a biblical story illustration and then a natural illustration uh, to testify about this. Because when people hear me teach on this, Sometime, and it could be somebody that's here today. Are we recording this as well? So somebody may listen to the recording later on. Are we live streaming as well? So somebody may be out there. And sometimes the devil will try and jump on somebody's shoulder because remember, remember how quickly the devil comes to try and steal the word that's sown? Immediately, talking about wayside ground, right? Immediately the thief comes. I've had so many people that'll, that'll, the devil will come to them and try and tell them, okay, yeah, you hear what Brother Larry's teaching. Yeah, Jesus bore your grief and sorrow and all that. And, and yeah, God put his peace and joy in you, but they just don't know what you're going through. They just don't understand what you're facing. 
And that may be true. I may not have a clue of what you're going through, what you're facing, just like you may not have had a clue what I had to go through and what I faced in my life. But I know somebody who knows everything we went through. And because of what he went through at the cross, he took care of it all. He tried to teach us by putting it in his scripture, but he tried to teach it first to the disciples when they all entered a storm together. Remember, you have Jesus in you, so you take Jesus into every storm. So if you'd remember that, you'd never get down or depressed or even panic or have phobias or anything. You'd just like, Jesus is with me. What do I need to fear? He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. won't let me down. So Jesus goes into a storm with his 12 disciples. They're going to the other side because they're on a ministry trip. So the devil wants to try and stop them, so he stirs up a storm. This storm must have been major because you have the disciples, almost all, if not all of those disciples, had been across that sea many times. Definitely the fishermen that were in that boat were professionals, so they had been in storms before out on that lake. But for some reason, the Bible said they feared for their lives. Well, what, what would be the reason? I mean, if you're actually fearing you're going to die, then it would have to be a storm like humongous, right? It'd have to be a, a, a monsoon, a typhoon, some kind of major storm where people that had, were professionals out there, they were so afraid for their lives. So we got this major storm, and what is Jesus doing during the storm? Oh, y'all have read the story. He was sleeping. Where was he at? On the back part of the ship, sleeping, trying to show you and me how the Prince of Peace acted so that we would know how to act when we faced the storm. And so he just laid his head on a pillow. That's what the Bible said. I was always told he didn't have a place to lay his head. Anyway, so he laid his head on a pillow. <laughs> I always carried my pillow. I, I always loved that story because I carry my pillow with me. I live in a hotel somewhere every week around the world, so I always carry my own pillow with me. That way I'm always laying my head on the same pillow, you know. But um, Jesus laid his head on a pillow and goes to sleep, and he's asleep during the storm. Now remember, the water's getting filled, the ship's getting filled with water, Right? The storm is raging, which means it's really loud. All the waves, all the wind, and, and I'm sure the, the disciples probably were not quiet. Ah! <laughs> we're going to die. In fact, when they came back to the ship, did you read what they said to the Prince of Peace? They said, Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> In other words, don't you care? We're about to lose our lives and you're lollygagging. Man, you're sleeping. Do something. And Jesus just ignored them. He didn't even answer them when they, when he, when they asked him, don't you care? He just got up, ignored them, and he spoke to the wind and said, peace, be still. And that peace, that fruit of peace we're talking about, was more powerful than atmospheric conditions. Did it change the atmosphere or not? That's how powerful when you get that peace out of the inside of you and you speak it out of your mouth, it will change atmospheric conditions. It was that powerful. I wonder if it's powerful enough to change your atmosphere. Huh? Well, Liz and I went to a church in Jackson, Mississippi, a large church, 1,200 people in attendance. I mean, a lot larger than that, but that's how many attended that service we preached there. 
And um, we were actually doing a four, four or five day meeting at that church. And, and uh, a lady came up to us. We'd been to that church quite a few times. So this particular time, a lady came up and said, I was here two years ago when you were here. And she said, I want to give you my testimony. I said, okay. She said, I was bipolar. She was in her mid-40s this time when we were talking to her. and She's given us her testimony. She said, I was bipolar for over 40 years. I said, really? She said, yes, my mom and dad were bipolar. She said, my brother was bipolar. For, in case there's somebody here, somebody watching, you don't understand bipolar. It's actually, well, medical science says it's a chemical imbalance. Um, problems with uh, chemicals in the body and stuff. And so they try and regulate, they give people medication. And so they try and regulate your feelings and emotions and your chemicals so that you won't feel like committing suicide one day and laughing your head off the next day and just having these wild emotions all over the place. Uh, it's really demonic is what it is. Bipolar is really demonic. And you can't regulate it with medication. Uh, demons just laugh at it. But anyway, um, she said, I was bipolar for over 40 years on medication for almost 40 years. And she said, um, I got a hold of your book last time I was here. Now, that's the internal affairs that many of you got last time I was here. I brought some more in case you didn't get one. But internal affairs, and uh, she said, I got that book, and I read, through it a whole, I read through the whole thing and saw that Jesus bore all of this depression and stress and worry and fears and all this stuff that I've dealt with for 40 years. And, and I saw that he even bore the reason or the cause, which would be what medical science said, this is the reason or cause that you are bipolar, so Jesus even bore that, and then he gave me his peace and joy, and that peace and joy is more powerful than all these negative emotions I've had to deal with for 40-some years. She said, um, but I was still bipolar. She said, so I decided to read the book again. I thought, see, there's where most Christians miss it. Most Christians read the book, maybe won't even get through the book the first time, but if they do get through the whole book, then they put it down. Well, I've read that book. Yeah, but you didn't get, get what it was saying. If you didn't get what it was saying, then read it 10 times, whatever it takes. So she read through the book the second time. She saw all these things. My goodness, Jesus bore this. He gave me this peace. He gave me authority and dominion over these, all these feelings and everything else. She said, but I'm still bipolar. She said, I got to read this book again. She was halfway through the book the third time. I, the old saying, the third time's a charm, you know. She was halfway through the book the third time, and all of a sudden it hit her. The way she said it, it dawned on me. You and I might say the Holy Ghost finally revealed to me, but anyway, she got it. She, the, the entrance of his words gave light. And so, um, so she, that's Psalm 119, verse 130. So God's word finally gave light to her, and she realized, okay, this is it. I'm not bipolar anymore. From this day forward, I'll never be bipolar again. I've been lied to from the devil and even from natural people, parents and brothers and different people that have said I'm bipolar and, and, and doctors said I'm bipolar, but I'm not bipolar anymore. Jesus redeemed me from being bipolar. He bore my griefs, my sorrows, my depression, my discouragement, my stress, my worries, my fear, my panic attack. He bore it all. And she said, Brother Larry, that was two years ago. I threw all my medication away two years ago, and I'm not bipolar anymore. Come on! I mean, that shows you the power of this fruit of peace because she said, I have the peace of God. In fact, I asked her, I said, so wait a minute, you're telling me you threw your medication away cold turkey like you didn't wean off six months or eight months or something slowly off the medication, you just quit? I said, you know, they, they the doctors will tell you, you don't do that. <laughs> she said, I don't care what they say, I care what he say. <laughs> and... Uh, 
She said, because he said, she said, this time I had inside information. She said, because sure enough, after I quit the medication, the emotions tried to come back, the feelings of depression and worry and fears and panic and all that. She said, all the feelings tried to come back. She said, I knew what they felt like because I'd had them for 40 years. She said, but I had inside information this time to do battle with. I knew I had the peace of God on the inside of me, and I knew that peace, that fruit of peace was more powerful than any of those negative emotions. She said, so I would just continually speak. It is written. It is written. It is written. She said, I did my warfare with it is written. And she said, I won every battle. And she said, it wasn't, it was just a couple months, she said, really, that I had to battle much at all. She said, now occasionally here and there, those feelings will try and come back. And I'll just say, no, you don't. Uh-uh, Jesus bore that for me. I, I refuse it. I will not have it. She doesn't yield to it because she found out that it's part of her salvation package. It's part of her redemption. Jesus paid the price with his blood. So for me to really get depressed is to belittle what the blood did for me. To be, for me to get all stressed out about it, so I'm all worried, my feelings hurt, is just to belittle what the blood did for me. I don't have to do that. Hallelujah. Isn't this good news? Let's close over in John 14. Let's go over to John 14, and then we'll pick up here at 3 o'clock this afternoon. But um, I'll tell you, I encourage you, if... I know some of you maybe have already got other plans. If you can change them, please do, because this is life-changing right here. This will not only affect you mentally and emotionally because of your feelings. I mean, when you, when you realize, man, I can live happy. I can be happy. I can live a utopia-type lifestyle right in the middle of all hell going on around me. I can just live this life of peace and joy all the time. Because I've got God's peace and joy, and it's supernatural, so it'll override everything else if I yield to it. Man, when you do that, it's just, it's worth learning because, uh, like I said, it'll not only affect your emotions, but then it'll affect your physical health. So many people are sick and diseased and hurting and in pain physically, and it can't be diagnosed because it's caused by depression or, or worry or stress, hurt feelings, all the unforgiveness, all these different things. God says, uh-uh, no, I've given you my peace and joy. So over in John 14, let's look at this one. I, should have, I probably should have said I'm fixing to close. <laughs> instead, I'm, instead, I'm closing because fixing takes a little longer, you know. But John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now, now before we read the rest, stop right there. Let me ask you a question. Based on what he just said, peace I leave. So it must be his if he's leaving it. So I leave you my peace. And then he says, I'm not just leaving it with you. I am giving it to you. Did he say that or not? Yeah. Come on, are you all with me? All right, so my question to you, not a trick question, just based on what you just read, not a trick question at all. Do you have Jesus's peace? I saw some of you say yes. Are some of you afraid to say it? Or what? No, don't be afraid to have this. This kind of peace sets you free. Jesus said, my peace I give you. That means every one of us sitting here, we're all, how many of you are saved? You've accepted Jesus. Come on, let me see your hands. Every one of you had accepted Jesus. Okay, so we're all saved. That means we have the king of prince of peace living on the inside of us. He said he gave me his peace. So every one of us have the same peace Jesus had when he was on the earth, same peace Jesus has now in heaven. Every one of us, we have it. 
Everybody say, I have the same peace that Jesus has. Say it again. I have the same peace. Say it. That Jesus has. Say it again. I have the same peace Jesus had because he said so. <laughs> Good reason to believe it. If God said it, then that settles it. You ought to go ahead and believe it because then it'll be settled in your life. So he said, my peace I give to you, not the way the world gives. And of course, that's self-explanatory. The world gives you peace if everything's peaceful. No wars, no rumors of wars, no terrorist activity. The economy's great. Borders are secure. Government's great. Everything's, now you can have peace. Jesus said, nope, that's not the way I give you peace. I'm giving you a peace that'll last right through any storm, any test, any trial, any hardship. I'm giving you peace, not the way the world gives. And then he says this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you look up this Greek word, kardeia, most of the time in the New Testament, it refers to the thoughts and the feelings, sometime referring to both spirit and soul and heart and head and all that stuff. But most of the time, it's referring figuratively to the thoughts or the feelings or the mind. You and I could say feelings or emotions. So here, when he says, let not your heart, he's saying, let not your feelings be troubled. Don't let your emotions, don't let your mental, your emotional state be, don't be a roller coaster Christian. You know what I'm talking, roller coaster, up and down and all over the place, roller coasters, right? Or don't be a yo-yo Christian, up one day and down the next, up one day and down. No, be stable, be mental, because you have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of you, and he's given you his peace. So let not, let not, let not. Doesn't it sound like there's a choice involved? If God said, let not, do I have to let my emotions be troubled? No, he said, if I don't have to let it, then that means I don't have to let it. Let not. Don't let. We would say, don't let. King James says, let not. We, do, we say, don't let your feelings be troubled. That word troubled, the Greek word means agitated. You know how a, a washing machine agitates the clothes? That, that word agitated, it, it's uh, to stir, uh, to agitate. He says, don't let your emotions be stirred up. Don't let what somebody else says or does to you stir up your anger or stir up your hurt feelings or stir up your, your uh, childhood feelings because of the way you were treated. No, no, don't let. Don't let your, your feelings be troubled uh, don't let yourself get stressed. Don't let yourself get worried. Don't let yourself get depressed. Don't let your, your thoughts and your uh, feelings be stirred up. Don't let when you're offended. No, don't let. No, no, don't let those hurt feelings. Don't, no, don't let that anger and short temper. Somebody said to me one time, well, that's just, that's just my personality, or that's just my nationality. You know, I'm Irish, or, or I'm Italian. No, you're devilish. <laughs> Don't blame your, your, your heritage. That's not why you're acting that way. You're devilish. You're yielding to the devil's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. You're just not yielding to God's kingdom. And you've you got the kingdom of God in you. Righteousness, peace, and joy are all part of you, and all three of those are, are in the Holy Ghost. A lot of times we, we read that over in Romans, right? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we just attribute the joy as in the Holy Ghost. We forget the righteousness is in the Holy Ghost, the peace is in the Holy Ghost, and the joy is in the... All three are in the Holy Ghost. All three are in the Spirit. 
because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So, I, I'll read the Amplified here. It says, Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Don't let. So I'll close with this illustration. So, a lot of times when we hear a message like this or a good message like Pastor Chip will teach or somebody else that you hear, we hear things and we think, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. What, what pastor said today or what that preacher said, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And the devil will make sure you have an opportunity because <laughs> he's going to try and come steal that word. In other words, he's going to try and bring things that are opposite of that word, see if he can get you to yield to them so that that word don't, does not produce the fruit in your life. Right? Fruit of peace, fruit of joy. So he's going to try and bring depression, discouragement, hurt feelings, of offenses, everything else to try and stop you from operating that fruit of peace and joy. And so let's just take this message. You get this message and then you go, let's say you go a week and nothing happened, but all of a sudden without you realizing it, the devil uses someone else to try and steal this word that was sown in your heart, trying to get you to be wayside ground. So... He has somebody say something or act really mean or ugly or do something just really bad to you, and you are just tempted to lose it. Tempted. Notice I said tempted. So here comes the temptation to, to, to not act that peace, not act like Jesus gave you his peace, not like you have that peace in you 24-7, 365. Here's your opportunity. And you don't even realize it's an opportunity because it was blind, you were blindsided. You weren't expecting it. person treats you like that, and all of a sudden you're just ready to fly off the handle. And then you remember, oh, that's right, the preacher. You know, you're trying to remember it was Larry Hutt. You can't remember his name. Oh, that preacher. What was his name? What? Anyway, he said, he, said, he said, don't let, don't let. That's right. He said, don't let. I'm not, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not. So, so you just determine you're not going to let that, what that person just did to you, you're not going to let it bother you. I, I'm, I'm not going to let that bother me. I'm not going to let that bother me. I'm just... I'm just, I'm just not going to let that bother me. I'm 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 not, I'm not going to let that bother me. I'm not going to let that bother me. I'm not going to let that, I'm not, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to let this bother me. And you lose it. And then the devil jumps on you and brings all kind of guilt and condemnation. Oh, good Christian, you are. It just adds more fire to the problem. Here was the true problem. You were trying to be strong in yourself and the power of your might. You were trying to not let yourself be troubled based on you doing something, not based on context of the verse. The whole context is you can take that second statement out of the verse, let not your heart be troubled, say, okay, I don't have to let my die. But if you leave the first part out, you will not be empowered with God's grace because remember, we got to put our faith in what Jesus did. He gave me his peace because he did. That's what the first part of the verse says. I give you my peace. Now because you have my peace, you get to choose not to let that bother you. In other words, you're going to use my peace to withstand that, and then my grace will empower you to be what you can't be on your own, have what you can't have on your own, do what you can't do on your own. Are y'all getting this? It's not hard when we rest in what he did instead of trying to strive and do it ourselves. 
man, I can't wait till 3 p.m. Can we just say it's 3 p.m. and start now? <laughs> All right, we're going to show you. This is not hard. Trust me, it's not hard. Man, when the Lord taught me this, come on, I'm just a little country boy from Odessa, Florida. Used to have 52 snapping turtles in captivity. Used to go catch alligators. Used to play with rattlesnakes and water moccasins and handle them and everything before I killed them. <laughs> I'm just a little country boy, so if a little country boy can be taught this and then walk it out, my daughter is 30 years old. She's never seen daddy have a down day. That's good. That's not a bad testimony. That's a good testimony. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the word Jesus because that's all I've done for the last many, many decades now is just keep acting like, Jesus, you... You bore my stress. You bore my hurt feelings, me getting offended. You bore my bad temper and anger, so I'm not going to fly off the handle. I refuse. What he did or she did or they did or what's going on, nope, that's not going to affect the way I feel. I have the peace of God and I have the joy of God in me. That's how I'm going to feel. You know what I call peace and joy? I call them feeling fruit. Feeling fruit because peace affects your feelings. Joy affects the way you feel and you yield to those, it's awesome. Praise God. So you know what my prayer is for you, not that you'd come back at 3 p.m. I do want you to come back at 3 p.m. because I'm going to show you how to do it, and it's life-changing for you. It's worth the sacrifice. If it is a sacrifice, and it might be to come back, but if you sacrifice and come back, it's worth it because it'll affect your physical health the rest of your life. It'll affect your marriages. It'll affect your finances huge because when people are down in the dumps, and I'll show you that tonight, when people are stressed or worried or in fear or panic and, or bad temper, anger, all those things, it actually affects you hearing from the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God could tell you, go, and, go buy that or go sell that or go invest that, and you don't hear them, you miss out. That's how my wife and I became wealthy financially is through God showing us where to invest and how to buy and sell. Wow. That's why when people accuse me, ah, oh, there's one of those preachers that just takes everybody's money and goes by is all his stuff. I haven't bought any of my stuff with ministry money. All my stuff is in stuff that God's blessed us with investments. So that's why, when, I mean, I'll, I'll let it run off water off a duck's back anyway because I've got God's peace and joy and nobody's going to take that from me. But I know it's a false accusation when people try and tell me I'm using ministry money for personal gain. I don't do it. I don't have to. So when people sow into our ministry, they're going to get the fruit of everything the ministry produces and lots of rewards laid up in heaven. And again, it's not wrong because the workman's worthy of his hire. The Bible said that uh, the preacher should be paid double. I tell, when I'm on church boards for different churches, I tell the board members that are long board members with me, I said, you need to be paying your pastor. If you're not there yet, you need to be paying him double what he'd be getting out in the workforce if he was the head of a company. Sometimes that doesn't go over real big, but the people, the people that believe the Bible love it because if you and I want to bless our man of God, guess what? The blessings are going to come back on us. Isn't that what Proverbs 11.25 says? If we water others, then God's going to water us. So that should be our heart to bless, 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 bless people. Father, I pray for my family right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for, for folks. Lord, I loved, I loved just this morning because your folks were hungry. They were just pulling it out of me. It was easy to deliver the, 
the good news you gave me to deliver today. And so I pray that we'd not just be hearers only. In fact, I pray the way you prayed for Peter and Luke. Lord, you prayed for Peter that his faith would fail him not. I pray that all of our faith would fail us not. Lord, the only way our faith could fail us is if we didn't act on that word. So really what I'm doing is I'm praying that we would be doers just like James and that we would continue hearing and hearing and continue looking into the perfect law of liberty and then we'd be established and we'd be blessed in everything we put our hand to. So we thank you for that, Father. We're all doers in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let me just mention a few things back at the product table. I was told by pastors that they want everybody here. Churches, pastors do that. A few churches here and there do it, but I guess they're going to bless you. But I just want to mention a couple things, and I don't, again, just so you know, when I'm announcing my product, I almost use it as an extra teaching aid just because I don't get a penny out of any of the sales of the product, so I'm not announcing anything for my benefit again. So, uh, when I announce something, it's because, okay, I want you to get a hold of this. Now, if you want the teaching that I'm doing, <clears throat> the actual teaching that I'm doing is the CD series called Free From Me. If you would prefer it in MP3 form, you can download it from our website. Go to our website and get it there it's called Free From Me. And then the book that I'm talking about is Internal Affairs. Now, somebody asked me, can I just buy one, Brother Larry, or should I get both? I said, well, I cover some things in each one that I don't cover in the other, so I encourage people to get both, but if you want to get one, that's up to you. So, but this is what I'm teaching from this morning and this afternoon. Of course, there's a lot more in here that I won't get to in both services, but that's back there. But one thing that I tell people to do is uh, get your mind so renewed with the Word of God that you always are going to be thinking God's Word first in every area. So I have my deck of cards back there called Prescription for Health Cards. Remember, if you attend to God's Word and incline your ear to His saying, not let them depart from your eyes and keep in the midst of your heart, they're going to be life and health to all your flesh. So I tell people, here is a prescription, or here's really a recipe. God wrote down a recipe. Here, go cook this recipe. It's a recipe for you to be not only healed, but then learn how to walk in divine health. So anyway, there's 52 cards in this deck, just like a normal deck. Um, and I put a, one scripture on each card so that just one scripture a whole week, for a whole week, you can read more Bible if you want and you should, but just meditate and absorb that one scripture and speak it out dozens of times every single day until it becomes a part of you. And then a second scripture the second week, third week. Do that all year long. You'll have, at the end of the year, you'll have 52 scriptures that are not just memorized, You'll memorize it after the second or third day, but by the seventh day, they'll become a part of the fabric of your being. They'll become a part of your repertoire. It's a different. Jesus rebuked the doctors, the law, Pharisees, and scribes. He said, you guys can quote the scriptures. He said, you can quote them, but you don't know them. It's different from memorization and knowing. And boy, I tell you, when you, when you just spend one scripture, spend seven days with one scripture, it all of a sudden becomes a part of you. So again, and then on the back of the card, the front of the card has the scripture. The back of the card has the declaration. What do I say about that scripture for my sake so I get that faith working? What do I confess? What do I speak? What do I declare? And uh, so it's my personal declaration, and then you can alter it and change it to make it your personal. So I always tell people, get the deck of cards. They'll be a great help for you. If you want to get, since you heard me mention finances, I'll just mention real quick. 
I do financial freedom seminars, and so I have a book called God, the Gold, and the Glory and Heaven's Transfer System. So the book is God, the Gold, and the Glory. The CD series is Heaven Transfer System. Again, the CD series, if you don't want CD, they're available on the website on MP3. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was our Heaven's Health Food. How many got this last time I was here? Let me see your hands. See your hands if you got this last time. Wow, a bunch of you didn't. This is our number one selling thing. I thought, I thought a lot of you got it last time. Well, Heaven's Health Food. Let me give you a, a sample, bro. Let's go ahead and play this sample real quick. I don't think he's listening. Can we play this sample real quick? Yeah, play that for the, for the people here that haven't heard it. I want them to see what this is all about. Heaven's Health Food is just me quoting, not preaching, just quoting health scriptures. Praise God. To suffer the diseases I allowed on the Egyptians, Go ahead and for turn it I up. am the Lord who heals you. Yes, he is. The New English Bible says, I, the Lord, am your healer. Your healer. The Sporel translation says, I am Jehovah, your, your, physician. Doctor, your physician. The basic English translation says, I am the Lord, your life giver. Young's translation says, for I, Jehovah, am healing you. The Knox translation says, I am the Lord, and it is health I bring you. When the Goodspeed translation talks about the diseases, it says, For I, the Lord, make you immune to them. You can cut it right there. Uh, I just want you to be aware of that, because this is something I feed on all the time, because I've had cancer attack my body. I've had all kinds of things attack my body. And I don't run to natural doctors. I send other people to doctors when I see that their faith isn't in Jesus all the way. But I have not run to doctors because my faith is in the only doctor that doesn't practice medicine. <laughs> and I found out he's perfect in medicine. And when I put my faith in him, it works. But you have to stay full of faith, full of the word of God, so that you can activate that faith. And so Heaven's Health Food, what you just heard is back there. Now, if you want to get it in on a... USB drive. I do have a USB drive back there, but it has two things on it. It has the health scriptures that you just heard and the love scriptures, which we actually have seven different uh, subjects that we do recordings on. They're not teaching or preaching me, just quoting that particular subject to build your faith in that area in your life. But this one, we decided to put the health and the love because faith works by what? Do you realize the more you understand how much God loves you, the more your faith will thrive? So I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's great. If you want to get both, um, it's, it's the USB back there, or you can just get the CD health scriptures back there or the love scriptures. So again, after pastor dismisses, those will be available to you. And then uh, we'll be back here at 3 o'clock. Um, if anybody wants to be a partner, I do have partner cards with me. I don't think I put any on the table, but if you want one, I have one in case you want to get some souls laid up in heaven too. Praise God. Uh, and I thank you. I thank you. You guys were just so fun to minister this morning because anytime I go somewhere and the people are pulling it out of me, it just makes it fun. It makes it easy. And uh, so I appreciate that. I love you guys and look forward to our time together this afternoon. Give your pastor a hand as he comes. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this as uh, Brother Larry was uh, preaching that message, you know, uh, every every child of God who declares Jesus as their Lord is, is set their eternal destiny in heaven. Uh, but between now and then, you know, the quality of life of every average Christian is pretty low, just as far as just being happy, full of joy, at peace. Just the average Christian, you know, they just they just seem like they're missing something. 
And, and I believe a message like this is really the missing uh, key to so many Christians' lives, just living happy every day, living at peace every day, being able to overcome every obstacle every single day. Amen. Uh, and so I would encourage you, you know, uh, get a copy of the message today. Uh, of course, it'll be, you can watch it back on, on um, the streaming service or you can uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, but you need to meditate on these verses and, and, uh, and know that you have a right and a privilege to be in control of your life. Amen. None of us have to be victims of our circumstances or our emotions or our past or our future. Uh, we get to choose every day. Uh, and, it's, uh, and if you can ever get that, if you can ever learn that, you'd be happy every day. Amen. And it's such a great message. And, and uh, it's one of the messages that you're either going to really, really be happy about it or you're going to be really, really mad about it. Right. Because <laughs> if you're looking for a reason to not be happy, it's going to make you mad. Right. <laughs> and, and so and there's you're going to find one or two folks like that. You know, uh, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, OK, poor Jesus. You know, neither did he. Right. So uh, but we're thankful for the message. Amen. Uh, and the Lord had instructed Brother Larry that he's going to continue this into healing school because these same emotions that affect, you know, your just the quality of your life also affect the.